Hi, I'm Meredith. Hi, I'm Joseph, and you are listening to Are You Waiting for Permission? It's a podcast for those who don't want to wait any longer. Meredith Grundy. Joseph, we have we've talked a lot in the last 24 hours. You have a big move happening. Yes, I do. Uh, we rented out our house. This is high season in Mexico. So we rented out our house for a couple uh-huh. of weeks and we're going to go to our other house. And um, so we got to pack up like the pantry and the refrigerator and closets. And how did I get so many pairs of underwear? Like where'd all this stuff come from? Right. Isn't it interesting that when you move, you actually get to see how much stuff over time you've actually accumulated and how ridiculous it is. Like, what do I do with all this stuff? Like some of this, I haven't even touched in 10 years. All of the birthday presents and Christmas presents you have sent me. One was a burrito. I probably should have taken care of that before. <laughs> I now. hope you ate that and you did not, you were not packing that away. I packed that away. Yeah. You did not. <laughs> Joseph. <laughs> oh my goodness. So I just want to share with our listener, there's something that they miss out on. So forgive us listeners. They don't know that we start our podcast before the recording by sharing our intention. Mm-hmm. And it's such a special moment between us and our guests. And I just want to share with our listener that they could also start with an intention. Maybe they could start with an intention before they listen to the podcast and push play. Like, what is it that they want to learn or, you know, experience? What about that? I think that's great. I love leading my day with an intention. Some days I forget that that's what I want to be doing. <laughs> so mm. maybe my next day will be, I, my intention is to have an intention for the rest of the week. <laughs> You're so <laughs> precious. I love you. <laughs> what about, do you know if we have guests this week? Cause I, I forgot to check the calendar. And we I'll- do. And I'm really excited because they, oh, I'm going to just do an introduction here and then you're going to realize that in our juicy conversation, we we all kind of share the, a very similar passion for helping guide people use their voices in the world. So mm. we have Mark Bossert and Shelly Goldstein in the room, and they are international speaking coaches and founders of Remarkable Speaking. Shelly and Mark have trained thousands of people in over 40 countries from just about oh, every industry. Wow on how to be confident and compelling speakers. Welcome. Wow. And the crowd goes mad. Nice to be here. Thank you. So the three of you are all being led by this vocation of helping people be more confident speakers. Mm -hmm. That's pretty interesting, right? It's interesting that you all have that. And it's interesting that so many of us need that. Right. So Shelly, can I start with that question? I get curious about how or why, what happens to us as human beings that the idea of being a speaker terrifies us? Where did that freaking come from? Good question. It's different for everybody as to potentially the external reasons, but i learning, I think, over time that the internal cause is very similar, no Mm. matter where you are coming from or where you're going. Many, many, many of us, and and I'm sure Mark and Meredith could, could, could agree with this, is that 
people just don't think they have anything of value to say, Mm -hmm. or they feel that they will be judged. Mm -hmm. And they look to social media, TED Talks, you know, news announce, guest announcers and say, wow, you know, I want to be like that. I can't Mm -hmm. be like that. And there's this comparison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mark, same question. I think it's trauma, honestly. I think people, when they are young, have a trauma. And trauma is not the activity or the action or the circumstance that happened. It's how we respond to it is mm-hmm. what causes that, that frozenness, that rigidity within us that might manifest as not being able to feel comfortable, which is a lie, honestly. Mm. There is no comfort when you're actually speaking. You're going to feel (laughs) some kind of juice and you better because that's what makes it good. That opens flow. That does all those wonderful things. But I think the core of it, like for me, I'm having a great time with my friends. We're in a little room. It's grade seven, I think. And we're recording ourselves. And this was a big thing back then. It's a long time ago. So we're recording ourselves and we're just being goofy and laughing and having a lot of fun. And I peed my pants. Mm. And I peed my pants more because we're laughing and laughing. And I just lost control of my bladder and I peed my pants massively. (laughs) I could have just gone home. But no, I went into the classroom and there everybody saw and everybody laughed. And it was traumatic. Mm. I turned that into, it ain't safe in the world to Mm. be me Mm -hmm. in front of other people. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a similar experience that a lot of people who are scared of public speaking have. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that story. Meredith, same question. Well, I would, I would agree with both what Shelly and Mark have said that where that fear comes from. Yes. Yes. To the trauma, not feeling that mm-hmm. what you have to say is interesting. I do feel it's it's mindset. It's really being able to reframe the mindset that from the I can't to I can to recognizing where the traumas come from and how do we how can we reemerge as as someone who can from that place and use it, mm-hmm. right? And so I feel for me that's why theater and improv was so. Uh, it life-saving for me in my life was because it helped give me a voice because I was rather shy as a kid. I'd hide in the back row. I was terrified of being wrong. And I think people are terrified of also being wrong and being judged mm. by their opinions. Yeah. So I feel there's so many reasons why I feel it's difficult for yeah. people to mm. speak up. And I think if we could, and if we gave ourselves permission, and I would love to hear from Mark and Shelley on this, but if we could step into that brave, safe space. And I, I know for a fact that Mark and Shelly are providing that space for their clients, that our stories could change the world if we could be more vulnerable and provide a space to where people can tell them. Mm. Can I just add something here? What's interesting mm. is contrary to what Mer- Meredith and Mark's story, one thing is I'm an an extrovert, maybe an ambivert, if you will. So we lean to the thing, the idea of, oh, an introvert, I'm shy, I'm this, I'm that. I was the bold kid in the front of the room. I was fearless. Mm-hmm. And yet I had this trauma about speaking. So none of us are 
None of us were excluded from this fear. <laughs> no. It comes in all different shapes, right? Because I'm not an I'm not an introvert. Have you met me? <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> but a shy kid, I was not the shy kid. I was not, I didn't, I, I actually was the loud kid. I got in trouble because I spoke so much. So what, what how come all of that performative outwardness still still had a, you know, I still had an issue or a challenge with my beliefs about speaking. That's the interesting thing. I just want, I just want the listeners to know that it's so many, we come from so many different places. Right. Yeah. I love that you I, said uh, that. Mm -hmm. My, what I bring to the table is a little bit different because I'm coming at it from an improv standpoint and I have taught improv for, I don't know, 10 years or so. And what most comes up with improvisers is not that they're going to forget what they have to say, right? Because there's nothing that's been rehearsed. It's all spur of the moment. But it is that judgment piece. I'm afraid of being seen. What are they going to think of me? You know, and that all starts with self-judgment, right? So I believe that that's a great place to begin the healing, right? Um, so that we can use our voices and, and be in front of others. That's, that's an option for us listeners, for sure. Absolutely that experience of noticing where you're judging yourself and using that to limit you is so prevalent. And yet it's not about throwing it away. It's not a, a, like, there's this whole, this, uh, there's this whole thing about, you know, going to war, you're going to war with yourself to get over your reticence to start writing or whatever. And I'm, I'm at war with that war. <laughs> I, I, we need to accept ourselves. We need to kind of give that darkness, that shadow, that, that part that's in opposition of us wanting to move and step out and express who we really are, because that's the deepest need for human beings is to be fully seen and heard. And so when that's in opposition inside of us, it's like, oh, come here. Give me a hug. Ah. Tell me what's going on. What do you want? What are you telling me? What are you trying to protect me from? Because that's a resource for mm -hmm. us as human beings. Mm -hmm. And when we embrace that, so much power comes from that. Rather than trying to be in a war with it and kind of locking that power away into some kind of, you know, more darkness. We see that in the world right now, in my opinion. Yeah. So I'm curious, Mark, with what you just said, what is a step for our listener that they could take to help get them closer to being seen or allowing themselves to be seen? You said something really important, I think, which is that mindset. Part of my journey was realizing that I had avoided all the opportunities, the scary places of being anxious, of, of, of fucking up mm -hmm. and went, that's just too much for me. And once I started going for it, putting mm. my hand up first, volunteering regularly and, oh, something happened. I get a little chill down my spine when I'm saying that. It's like, ah, oh, I actually like this fear. Mm. I like this anxiety because what happens afterwards, it's like that fear of going to the gym I used to always be afraid of going to the gym. It's so such a performative thing, right? <laughs> I loved how I felt afterwards. So I kept doing it. Mm -hmm. It's like it's like that with um, I go in the cold shower every morning. Ahead of it, 
the noise is just devastating. Let's do it. Let's do it warm today. Come on. We'll just go kind of cool and then we'll go cold. But mm. uh, maybe we'll just do cool. We've done cold for a lot of days. Blah, Canada's blah, blah, not blah. cold enough for Mark. <laughs> my, my, mine's not. Mine's not. It's mine's, Can I shave my legs in it? <laughs> mm. yeah. But that when I just go through it. Yeah. The, on the other side, my morning is great mm. every time. So th that practice of embracing the fear mindset of going, where is it scary? I'm going there. Not stupidly, but choosing to embrace that again, embrace that darkness. Now that momentum starts where you start to go, well, geez, maybe I will talk to that interesting looking person mm. for the first time. For me as an in a severe introvert, that's one of the hardest things. Mm. hi and i'm gone <laughs> most of the time there was a sighting, <laughs> a sighting. <laughs> <clears throat> one small step for you shelly thank you for that mark so it's interesting it goes back to the intention you know giving myself permission and i always felt and again it you know Back in the day before social media, there was, I still had this unbelievable pressure on myself that I had such high stakes of perfection. I looked at other speakers and people that were highly trained and highly experienced. And I would, that would be a goal. And I didn't give myself permission to even stumble until I achieved that goal. Now we know it's mm. not realistic. Mm. I mean, mm. that was such a long journey that was so unnecessary. I see that now. And once I dropped that guard of perfection and really just gave myself permission to say, you know what, you've got something to say, just say it. I was tired of everybody else saying it and me going, gosh, <laughs> that was my idea. Mm, mm, oh, and they mm. liked it. Oh, and it's yeah. good. I could say it mm. and get the same reaction. And once mm. I gave myself that permission to just let go, make mistakes, don't worry about it. Some of my sloppiest, most on, you know, uh, uh, you know, edit, non-edited pieces of video and audio sometimes get the best responses, mm -hmm. which, which is inspire me to lean more into that mess yes. because it mm. means so much to me. To me, that's my success. I've been perfect or trying to be perfect for so long. It's exhausting. Mm. So wow. my advice is just, just do it and be messy. All right. So Shelly. Yeah, I'm going to ask this question too, because I would assume like me, you get approached by clients, women, I'm going to say specifically who are in a leadership position or want to be in a leadership position. And let's talk about the meetings and the ability to speak up in those spaces with mm -hmm. confidence, with male dominated rooms. Mm -hmm. um, what you just said inspired <laughs> this question. And so I'm wondering if you, if you don't mind speaking into that. I would love to. And that, you know, I, I spent most of a decade working in a company where I was the sole female with about eight or nine men at the table. Mm -hmm. And I spent a good part of that time fighting for my space. That was my internal dialogue, fighting for that space, fighting for that space. The gentlemen in the room weren't challenging me, maybe some were, but for the most part, I thought I had to really earn that space. So I don't think I came up as my authentic self. 
I was trying so hard. I probably came off annoying, bothersome, whatever. What, I would have thought that. It's not even what they might have thought. But looking back, I go, gosh. And what I realized very late in that my tenure with this organization was that I would get amazing feedback from advisors and people that would come and listen to us about what I had to contribute. And I realized, holy crap, I, I own that chair. Mm, I, don't have to, yeah. I don't have to earn it. I own it. I had a right to be there. They wanted me to be there in that room as much as I wanted to be in that room. And it doesn't matter who's sitting in the room anymore. I have to be comfortable in what chair I'm sitting in. And I often say, it's my choice to say, am I going to show up sitting on a chair or am I sitting in a throne? And when I (laughs) position it as a throne, I know I'm there in equal stance with every single person in any room, men, underrepresented groups, doesn't matter. Yep. Thank you. What I want to add to this is thank you. Thank you for that, Shelly. Oh, from my chair to my throne. What I want to add is, listener, I hope you get that your one small step could also be to hire one of these three brilliant coaches, right? That's also an option because when we talk about embracing things and you know putting ourselves out there, that's brilliant advice and how much easier it is and with some accountability and with some coaching of somebody patting us on the back and say, you've got this, you can mm-hmm. do this. You know, My life was infinitely changed when I hired my first coach and we worked together every week for a year and a half. And I, I'm not going to be dramatic here, but it sounds dramatic, but Please, I'm yeah. alive today because I had a life coach who That's every dramatic. week was tapping me on the shoulder and saying, you know, you're okay and you'll be able to pay your rent. You know, it was life coaching. It wasn't public speaking. It was different. But yeah, hire a coach for God's sakes. That could also <laughs> be your step for today. You know, it's so funny you said that because it's we invest companies, invest huge salaries in their employees, but how do they know they're getting the best out of those people when most of those people don't feel like they can speak up, they're feared, they fear speaking up or they don't feel they're getting their chance to say how they really feel in an office. So you're putting good money on what? Yeah, that's a great question. Mark, I'm curious if you have any input on this question too, like even from a, a male perspective about women and and or marginalized communities and speaking up and using their voices and how to do that. I think it comes back to what I was prattling on about earlier. What you know, the trauma that people have been through mm-hmm. as women, as a marginalized community, as BIPOC communities is real. Mm. And how they respond to it then becomes how they show up, whether they're allowing themselves to claim that space, because that's the reality. If you walk in the room confident and everyone's eyes turn to you just because you walked in the room because your energy is such that it's like magnetic, there's no issues whether people are going to listen. They want to hear what the hell it is you Mm. have to say. Mm -hmm. And we've all had experience. Every human being has had an experience of that, whether that's just with your family, whether that's on stage, whether that's speaking up at an all hands meeting or whatever. And that you have to embrace that. You have to change the mindset again and then get practice and support and all these things that we know as coaches is this Mm -hmm. complicated 
<laughs> many faceted diamond of trying to help someone become more of who they really are. Mm, thank you. Thank you. So I'm curious, I'm going to shift gears just slightly, if that's okay with both of you, all three no. of you. Your show. Uh-huh. We're just here for the journey. <laughs> oh, good. Good. I thought you were going to say cocktails. I'm like, we don't have any of those in the Zoom room. <laughs> I'm just here uh, for the popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> too early. So I'm curious about how the two of you found each other and how you started uh, your speaking uh, program together. Oh, thank you, Mark. Well, Mark and I found ourselves in this uh, beta test for a virtual game version of these speaking games, these games that were designed to help learn skills, speaking skills, basically. Mm -hmm. And we were in the beta. And then we, the owners, the founders invited us to, on separate occasions, to be coaches to get certified in their program, which we did. And Mark and I worked alongside of each other for quite some time. And one day Mark called me and said, you know, we're pretty good at this. We can reach a lot more people. And uh, we loved working together. We brought a yin and yang to it, which was great. Male, female voice, uh, all of our years of experience in business. And we really felt we could take a deeper dive on working on not only the public speaking aspect and the speaking, but specifically how it relates to career success. Mm-hmm. And uh, the journey started from there. He sent me a bunch of names on what I thought about some business names. <laughs> and it was like remarkable speaking. Let's go with that. I love it. It, <laughs> it sounds like a familiar origin story, doesn't it, Grundy? A little bit. Yeah. A little bit, Joseph. Joseph, I almost called you Joseph Gruntai. <laughs> <laughs> she calls me her second husband. So if I had the same last name, it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be, be too weird. It wouldn't be too weird. Um, so maybe Mark, okay, this is a random question too. So talk to me about this elephant writing thing. Like you put, we have this, this intake form. One of you has learned how to write an elephant and we're supposed to guess which one. Is that Shelly? That would be me. That would we be. We both guessed that it was going to be Shelley. Yeah. Sorry, Mark, but maybe there's not enough elephants in Canada. Maybe what that's gave that away? What gave that away? There aren't elephants in LA anymore than that in Canada. <laughs> oh, I think there are. I love it. <laughs> I love it. No, no, just intuitive. So tell us a little bit more about how you like to work with people. All right. So let's just, I would love to hear Mark, tell us a little bit about how you like to work with people, what kind of clients you look for. Um, We've worked with a lot of software engineers. That seems to have been a a big focus. I I don't know where that goes in the future, but that was, and they're, they tend to be very cerebral, extremely smart, very math, digital oriented, mm-hmm. and very introverted. Mm. And they see the people who step up and talk and share their ideas getting promoted. And they're not necessarily the brightest humans who are getting out of the pool, who are getting promoted. And they're stepping up and, and showing up, and they want to do that too. Mm. And so working with them is, uh, is a great joy because you can see they're smart and they learn really quickly. They practice, they become that in order to get to the level that they're at. And this is like all the big companies, you name any of them, Google, Amazon, Microsoft, and work with people from all of those. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so they are making really good money 
but they want to, they know they want to be in leadership. And yet there's that, uh, that thing is there that stops. And yeah. when we solve that, man, it's just really mm. fun. Shelly, my question to you is, how does public speaking affect the rest of our lives? Because it's not just the boardroom, right? It's not just the stage. It's not just the next presentation or networking meeting. Maybe it is. But I'm wondering how that confidence translates to the rest of our lives. What have, what have you noticed that has shown up? Well, working with elephants and riding elephants, I do prefer working with animals sometimes, although people are fun too. You still need that communications piece. The animals are sensitive to that. It's the honesty. But to your question, Joseph, I think it really is getting to the core root of who we are. And there isn't like a weekend Shelly or a Sunday dinner Shelly and an office Shelly. I'm all the same person. So how can I show up in all places as my best self? We work a lot on business, but it does overflow. Many of our clients are saying, and I'm sure Meredith could share this, is that they go home and they realize their relationship with their partner or their kids is more engaged and, and in a deeper level because they're applying the same skills. Mm. I just gave a talk for, uh, um, this was really funny. Friends of mine were in, married on Sunday and they called me and said, oh, Shelly's going to give a toast. Really? I was <laughs> not privy to that or I forgot about it. So I walked up to the room and this was probably my best shameless plug ever. My knees were shaking. As Mark said, the nerves don't go away because I'm thinking, mm -hmm. holy crap, I didn't prepare anything. I got to come up with something. And so I started, well, first I asked if they had the right Shelly Goldstein in the room. <laughs> and, <laughs> a little self-deprecating uh, humor there. I love that. <laughs> and then I immediately went into, I said, well, maybe because I became a public speaking coach, the couple want, you know, Liz and Jeff wanted to put me to the test. <laughs> So it was like a shameless plug. So I went right into my stories, went right into my stories. People were laughing, cheering as I'm walking back to my table in the, you know, uh, far end of the room. It was like the Oscars. People were shaking my hand. I love that pause. I mean, they noticed things that was just, that was really funny. Your temp, it was really oh, amazing. Wow, so it does work in every instance of mm -hmm. social to the same things I do when I'm mm. presenting to, to professionals. Oh. That's brilliant. And Meredith, what I'm noticing is they asked her to do a toast and they sat her in the back corner of the room. So that's an interesting juxtaposition, right? Right. I love <laughs> like you. You're but. the most important person in the room, and we're going to put you all the way back there. I love you, but oh my, I did think of that, Joseph. I it absolutely came to mind. <laughs> uh, oh. We're going to wrap up. Any final thoughts that you would love to share with our listeners? They're sitting at home, they're at the kitchen table, they're concerned about their voice, they're scared about raising their hand, they're interested in maybe being leaders or at least sharing their voice. What can you share with them, Shelly, and then Mark and then Meredith? Give yourself permission just once. Just raise your hand if you have nothing to say and at the bare minimum, thank the person for speaking or Talk to the Lyft driver, <laughs> anything, just start that one little baby step of conversation. Give yourself permission to share something that you've experienced, big or small. That's the start. Wow. Mark, please. Be curious. Start to be curious about other people. What's going on in their lives? What's happening with them? 
And then it's easy to reach out and connect with people. That's the start of the interpersonal kind of step. Beyond that is, yeah, you know what? You got to start practicing being uncomfortable. Get comfortable with being uncomfortable mm. on a regular, on the regular. <sighs> and that, that will open so many doors for you. Mm. Mm. I Very love that. That your story is interesting and that you do have something to say uh, and similar to what Mark said, but le leading with curiosity, but noticing what you notice and using what's in front of you sometimes to help inspire the stories that are in you. I'll give you a, a simple example of that. It's an exercise I do often with people, which is just pick up one thing in front of you that's on your desk or on your kitchen counter or at your table. And um, I picked this up, right? It's the first thing. It's a remote to my ring light. And there's a story behind it. How did it end up here? Well, why do I own a ring light? So my friend Danny gave this to my daughter for Christmas and I hijacked it because I needed a new ring light. <laughs> and my daughter Harper doesn't have a cell phone yet because I won't let her because I'm her mother and I want her brain to develop. And so <laughs> uh, I have this, this remote and oh. it lights me up when I do TikToks and get on Zoom calls. So yeah. that simple little mundane thing has a story behind it. And so I encourage people to notice what they notice and use what's there. It's great. Tip. I you. love that. For <laughs> me, when I was younger, I'm going to say 10, 11, 12, 13 ish. After dinner, I would lay on the living room floor. My mother would pick up the newspaper and I would say, read Ann Landers to me, who was the sister to dear Abby. And I remember one person wrote in and she was very shy. She had difficulty talking to people. What can I do? And Ann Landers said, ask a lot of questions. And at the end of the conversation, people will think you're a brilliant conversationalist. And I remember that like it was yesterday. And um, I ask a lot of questions, so it, it ties into that curiosity. And somewhere along the line as an improviser, I learned that when I ask questions, I listen to the answer. So that's part of it too. And, um, and we're done, that was it. We're, we're, all, we're all wrapped up. Well, oh. well how, how do people find you? Tell us more. I mean, we're gonna put it in the show notes, but tell us here if people okay. wanted to get in touch with you. Yeah. Our website is remarkablespeaking.com. And you can search us on LinkedIn. We're both fairly active. That's our LinkedIn, YouTube, or our social media addictions, I guess. <laughs> but we limit it to those. Beautiful. Perfect. Thank you. Listener, thank you so much for being here. Shelly and Mark, we appreciate your brilliance. And Meredith, it is always the highlight of my week to be spending time with you. So thank you. Same here, Joseph Bennett. Thank you. Bye. See you next week, listener. We want to thank you for listening to this episode of Are You Waiting for Permission? If you like what you heard, please like, comment, subscribe, and leave us a review. We would sure appreciate it. Also, we want to give a special shout out to Amy Shelley and Gary Grandi of High Fiction for letting us use their music in this podcast. All right, my friends, until next week. Bye. <laughs>